Okay. What's up, guys? John Sintes, Alex Rojas, Cutter Nation, Namaste Strength, NorCal, SoCal. We come together to form Let's Win a Ball Game podcast. This is our podcast, which is our baby. Um, Alex, and if you haven't been following for a while, Alex and I used to talk on the phone a lot because we connected on business and philosophy for a long time. And then one day we were like, why don't we just like do this live and make a podcast? And so since then, I believe we are in episode, I think this is episode 30, my friend. Um, oh, look at that. Leave California. Absolutely not, my friend. You don't understand. You don't get it. Leave California. Even even where you're at, man. Oh, man, we, we got to get you more south. You know what I mean? We're I really going to work on If you're a baseball coach, California is the best market for you. <laughs> yeah. maybe exactly. like Miami if you speak Spanish no, but but he, he, listen there's still a lot of rain there right you're not yeah, getting yeah, a there's, full, still right? a lot of rain. there's a lot of factors a lot of factors anyway so please like and subscribe this podcast is available Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts anywhere search Let's Win a Ball Game Podcast um, I'll start off um, we're real close. Let's see. We are about 21 days out from our college summer training. Um, we are attacking this multiple ways. We're going with, with the youth side, even though it turns into tournament season, you don't have to, you know, especially post little league, I'd make an argument that if you were just consistent in live at bats, you probably would have a happier kid in the summer, right? Maybe not, Maybe a little bit more of an efficient training schedule allows him to be a little bit happier because he gets to hang out with his buddies. But you also get physical activity and some some dedicated discipline, right? And and I think that's the difference of you know where a martial art like a like a jujitsu or a, you know an MMA situation even on a kid because you know in MMA there's not a lot of real fights, right? Like. You know, it's, it's just a lot. It's a ton of practice, but it's, that's that's the discipline. And in baseball, we go to practice and somebody tells us what to do. That's not the most efficient way to attack your discipline and your skill level. So that's what both Alex and I do. We really try to help people with that. And I'm down here in San Diego, and he is up there in NorCal. So we have online training. Anything you need, hit us up. Website's coming along. Go ahead, my guy. Um, check out the links in my bio. Lefty Swag Bats, TPC, if you want to work with me in person. And uh, I'm getting my website stuff together. I'm probably going to rebrand my website just because, dude, I put so much work into the old website, and I got to eliminate a lot of stuff, and I just may just create a new one. I'll see how it works. Um, but I am in the process of getting some live at-bats going at TPC. So if you you are in the Bay Area, and you're looking to hit off the hit tracks, because I don't know if there's another one within 150 miles of ours, right? So that's in any direction, right? If you want to get some live at-bats in a cage where you're going to have an air-conditioned facility and it's not going to be 97 degrees or you got to wait four hours to get three at-bats, we can get you three at-bats in 20 minutes. So that's our goal this summer is to actually get guys a lot of at-bats. John inspired me. I don't know if it was the pandemic live at bats or if it was the most recent ones, but he had some guy that had like 78 live at bats before his high school season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's like, I think, very close to the exact amount of at bats that you would get in like a 25 game high school season. Yeah, and, and to go further, you know, we had some guys in college um, stay home and not 
play summer ball this year. And I, you know, we, you only need a hundred at bats. So you can break that down. I mean, you were getting, our guys were getting 10 to 15 at bats for one Friday morning live AB that was about, we'd start at 10 and be done at one thirty. So that's, that's not that long, you know? And, and um, that was, and we're going to be doing it even better this year, but I mean, that's 10 days. That's all you need. Right. So even if you have in two months, right, that's, that's twice a week. That's all you need. Twice a week. I mean that's so much more efficient and and so much more more um less pressure and it's, right than, it's than like a college summer bats. season oh it's right it's like four at bats you know what i mean it's not like i'm gonna show up here for four hours and get three at bats do infield outfield blah 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 no 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 like if you were theoretically to do live at bats at cutter nation for four hours how many at bats do you think someone would get right right oh, I mean, like, yeah exactly a, a lot i mean a lot, That's right? when, when I when I go when we were going hard and I was throwing to the pros, you know, if full distance, right? I got 150 pitches I can. You know, they'd all joke, be like, "All right, here's my eighth at bat against John in one game." Right. <laughs> you okay. know. So, like, let's play because you and I think business and we think in money and, and numbers and stuff like that, but we also think in time so you can get the most out of your players, right? So, like. How long does a live at bat take? Like from first pitch, guy walking, and like not the whole like event, but, but like a live at bat without a defense, without the the whole ensemble that is a baseball game. How I mean, long does one live at bat take? It really depends if you're swinging first pitch. It could be 15 seconds, right? Be, and it's probably closer to like a minute, minute and 20. Right. So, so one of the things that again you see on like John's feed, you see those YouTube videos where they're really collections. You have some total videos as well, but some of them are highlights. It's like that's really how long an at bat should take, right? Like for you to get the work in, right? So in ten minutes, you can get a lot. Of, you just had ten at bats, and then on the pitching side of things, in ten minutes, you just had ten batters to face. That's going through a whole lineup, right? But sometimes, like how you started the podcast, it just takes too along with the whole ensemble of what baseball is and you have to respect what it is because i was doing some fun research yesterday and it's like the idea of bunts oh my my god oh my god i have to air this out (laughs) so the local high school team lost on a wheel play no they tried on a wheel play and they throw the ball into center field with the winning run on second base. He yeah. moves to third base. Next yeah. guy gets a base hit to the left fielder, which would have been in front of him. Yeah. He wouldn't have scored, right? The bases would have been loaded, though. But this is, this is again, where we're talking about what John and I are talking about. Even if you run the wheel play, right, that guy is still not guaranteed to bunt. Because, like, when you you see the movement on the field. It's like, oh, the third baseman's crashing, second baseman's going over, shortstop's going over. It's like, I might just swing here because you, I can just slash. I can always do that, right? And then the other team picked it out, and you can hear them yell, wheel, wheel. And they step off, and they go, hey, they sniffed it out, and coach is like, no, we're going to run it. And I'm like, please, just let them pitch, right? Like, because what if he strikes this guy out? Then you get a double play on one pitch, and you're out of the inning. But, like, let this guy pitch to this guy. And if this guy's going to bunt, what if he pops it up? Like, let him pop it up. Just, like, why don't you crash the corners 
and maybe just I don't, I don't know. I'm just like I don't know. Just throwing it out there. I'm just I'm just talking about it in the way of just like yes, that's a situation that's going to win a game, but PFP wheels don't take care of that. It's the idea of this. Before that wheel play, that guy gives up a base hit and then hits the next batter, right? There is no wheel play that you're going to run that's going to be able to execute the stress of that scenario and being able to get out of that. There's no bullpen that you can do. What you can do is, again, have live at-bats, have inter-squads with your teams and with your buddies where it's like, hey, if you give up two more base runners, the game's over. Stuff like that, where it's like maybe you're at Cutter Nation or maybe you're with your buddies. It's like, if two more guys get on, you're done. You lose. And that could be how you guys play the game, right? So I was just throwing that out there. Because, again, we talked about winning the game. And I, I got to get your opinion on it, right? Like, because you're a pitcher. So you're the one who's got to make that throw to second base and, like, read the daylight and all that stuff. So it's like, have you ever gotten anybody out doing that? Yeah, yeah. How yeah, many times have you ran those and gotten uh, out? Um, I could, I could tell you it's probably ten percent, probably. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, the amount of throwaways, but are protected by a center fielder that knows what's going on. As long as that is there, then you know it doesn't happen. But also, like, that's not the game. You know what I mean? Especially because in this day and age, I feel like that play is is really not in it anymore like maybe in the 60s to the 90s that was in it but like now guys are really strong like young men are, are, are pretty strong dude i was watching yeah. a 16 year old kid do reverse lunges and side lunges with like 155 on a barbell and he's like that's not that strong i'm like that's really hard dude like a 16 year old being able to do that like there's a lot of people that are 30 that probably can't do that you know what i mean so that's a young kid that, again, like, he touches the ball, dude. A lot of these kids can hit the ball 95-plus in a game. Like, let him swing. Like, what if yeah. he hits the ball? Yeah, I mean, it's just so typical, like, high school baseball. Just taking the taking all the – they're just trying to save their job. Yeah, exactly, Siri. Right? Siri doesn't get it. And then, yeah, so, we talk, about how, we talk about this all the time. How are we going to beat those guys over there? Right? So, now – and again, I love this team. I love the guys that are on there. I'm just observing and commenting. I'm not making any hate or any judgment at all. I'm just observing and commenting. They played like a 14 seed in the NorCal State playoff, and they lost, right? But this team bunted their faces off. They're like a scrappy, like um, lower-income city that's got like black, white, Latino kids that all like play hard, head-first slides, right? Right. And all I thought, thought about was that's probably how that team has practiced winning all year it's like we're not going to hit bombs like we're probably going to have to scratch a lot of runs a lot of hit and runs a lot of run and hits and it just made me think like did the other team prepare for that kind of a game like because when you play a team like that it's way different they do things that are like are, do, can he do that is that in the rules and the other part is like yeah he can do that it's like how like they, they read the rule book and they go it says i can do this but it doesn't say I can't do this, mm -hmm. right? Like, that's the idea of you're paying attention to where the sun is on the field, and then you know, okay, now I start throwing more breaking balls, right? Like, yeah. you're paying attention. Game, gamesmanship, you know what I mean? 
gamesmanship. And uh, we had I watched a John Boy Media this morning. Yeah, Wilson It's exactly what I thought of. I mean, all parties involved are guilty here, right? The umpire doesn't understand. He first of all, the umpire is not getting it, right? Like there's zero like the umpire is like totally falling for a move there. Like that's what's messed up about it because his eyes are up, his hands are out, but his foot's out, right? And so that you know they have video on Kenley and they know he doesn't look at the batter. They know it. You know what I mean? So it's I mean. I, I think it's turning more and more into the NFL, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Well, that, like, that aspect of it was. But, like, just the concept of, like, this dude is not paying attention really to what I'm doing at all, right? Like, he's in his own world, which is hilarious that they observe that. And then it reminded me of semi-pro when um, Andre 3000 does the alley-oop, and then the referee just goes, foul, out of nowhere. And it was like, he didn't do anything wrong. That's kind of what it reminded me of, like, Kenley kept looking around like, what are you talking about? And it's like, you're not paying attention to what's happening, right? And again, it's just like the idea of like, you just got to pay attention. Like, stop being in your own world so much. Which, again, I get it. Baseball players, especially relief pitchers, they're so funny. Like, uh, I forgot who it was on the Dodgers for the longest time. He was a big righty that was like a sinker baller kind of had like a rounder stomach but he literally took like 60 seconds in between pitches and mm-hmm. he was like in his whole different world he was barely playing the game so that's all i think about that i think it just makes you want to pay attention mm-hmm. but i got another question for you okay. so if you know right that, that you're playing a team that we've talked about this before that's taking for a strike, right? You're going to throw a first pitch strike just right down the middle, right? What do you start to do when, and not in that situation, but what do you start to do when guys start to figure out maybe the uh, the axis of a certain pitch, right? Like, when, like do you change maybe your location on that? Because one of the things I've, I've been messing with my guys has been um, just the height of off-speed pitches, like off the home plate machine, like sequencing stuff, like curveball up, slider down, splitter down, and then fastball up, just like moving around and stuff like that. Nobody's figuring it out yet, right, which is totally cool. But in a game, when, like, guys start to get on your stuff, in terms of like your cutter, something that you can throw a bunch of different ways. Is that when you start going to like the different arm slots and trying to throw the ball different? Uh, no, I don't think so. Like, do you, I think, do you, do you try maybe, just like, maybe, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a definitely, there's like a, la- there's like a definitely layer of creativity that could happen. Right. You know what I mean? But it really depends on, I don't know, like, the more and more, the older I get, the more and more I'm like, well, dude, Rich Hill's kind of right. Like, you just mess with dudes and just drop down and throw spinners sometimes just to completely change the approach angles of what's happening. So, I mean, I don't, I never really went that way with it, even professionally. Like, I always felt like you kind of got to stay in line with what they want, you know? Because the, the conversation is still the fastball is the hardest pitch to hit which is, like, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I can prove to you it's not. <laughs> like, 
I'll show you on my home plate machine. I'll put all four pitches on there. And I'm like, which one would you rather? <laughs> right? It's like, dude, the more, the more I coach like the kids on the aspect of like, like yesterday we did like 45 minutes on the home plate machine of the sequence was fastball, slider, sinker, slider, curveball, right? Just a lot, a lot of spinning. I yeah. can't throw all that stuff. I wish I could. Man, it's hard. Especially how the home plate machine throws it. The sinker might as well be a splitter, like a fork ball. And then curveball's slow, slider's late and explosive. But it's the, the idea of, like, the spin is the same. And the guys aren't doing, like, they're not playing the game with it. You know what I mean? Like, right, I faced right. it the other day, Right. And what I was doing was, I know what pitch is coming, so I start pretending like I'm on the Astros. It's like, okay, like if I know a curveball's coming, I'm just going to load up as long as I can and like almost drag my toe or my front foot. I didn't want to feel it get off the ground until I see the ball. But then right. when I saw the splitter, I was trying to be Tony Gwynn and like dive and try to just stay inside it and smoke it that way. But it took me like two rounds to figure out like, oh, I can't do that. I have to do this. Right? So that's why I was asking you. It's like, at some point, and again, I can only speak for a hitter, but I know that I've caught guys where I'm like, you threw that slider differently there than the last one. He was like, yeah, I felt like I needed to get a little bit more sideways on it or a little bit more up and down on it. Right? So I was wondering, like, when you pick and choose to layer in creative uh, uh, gestures, like, I'm going to make this one move a little bit more across the zone. I'm going to make this one run in on this guy a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like picking and choosing how to play your game, because they can still know a two seems coming. But if I make it run five more inches because I know how, it doesn't matter. You're still going to get jammed. You know what I mean? Yeah, or even the idea of a surprise, right? Like backdoor sinker, backdoor sinker, backdoor sinker, and then you just run it across right into their hands. Mm -hmm. But it's the illusion where it would start almost to that, but it would just be so surprising. Yes. You know what I mean? So, yes. Yeah, I mean, Dustin May was doing a really good job of that, but apparently not too good, you know? He's hurt. Dude, Fuck. that, that, that uh, Julio Urias guy. So I'm a Dodgers fan. I'm repping, right? I watched that guy struggle so much. And one of the things that, again, I see is, like, there's so much of, I feel like, the chat GPT baseball where it's, like, there's not enough of that. Where it's, like, yes, you should throw a curveball, but, like, what type of a curveball should you throw here? You know what I mean? Like, the the saber metrics don't always tell you, like, throw it in the dirt here. You know what I mean? Like, that's still based on the judgment between the catcher and the hitter and the, and the pitcher. You know what I mean? But you're good at that. Because I've literally watched you do it, not in person, but, like, I've watched you do it. Yeah. Where I'm like, that one moved a lot more, and that was the same thing. Yeah. But you choose to do it, of course, when you choose to do it. So that's what made me curious about it, is they're like, you see a guy swing on this cutter like that, and then you're like, oh, if I put a little bit more, there's no way he touches that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, a, you, there's, like, a, you know, like in – boxing there's like you you realize the guy can't stop it okay. or like any sport right like you, you're running halfback counter 
Yeah. And the guy's running a 3-4, and you're like, this is ridiculous. Like, my line gets to the second level every time. I can literally get seven yards every time I run this play. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that is what I feel about a lot of times the cutters, you know, especially when I was playing. Like, I wasn't throwing four-seamers. Like, I had no, – there was absolutely no reason. No reason for me to throw a four-seamer. Because, one, if anybody ever chased it, it was so late, and it was probably spinning so hard that, like, if you went after the first one, and I – and I most – I'd say – nine out of ten times i was locked in and it was at least mid thigh or lower and so like mid thigh is a bait a bait cutter right especially when it just darts down not flat and like the amount of just two hoppers of shortstop on the first pitch i'd be like ha 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 you know what i mean because he saw he saw like ooh juicy and then it just kind of had this little short slider shape to it so um yeah i mean you you feel it you know i got i I got video of this poor human that's definitely it's online i remember we we're in bear cruise and there was this guy i had played against him a couple seasons before and i had like thrown a curveball and he just freaked out like wasn't you know fell down and i was like that's weird and i remember facing him in a start against this team and like i threw one and he just like turned away from it i threw he turned away and i'm like i'm for sure bouncing it and i must have bounced it i don't know six sorry i guess my, my lawn care guys here now yeah, I must have bounced it six or ten feet in front of in front of the plate, and he just full on waved at it, belt high, and I was like, "Well, that was terrible." And so I come in that inning, and I go to my catcher, and I go, "All we're throwing nothing but curveballs that guy for the rest of it. I don't care if we walk him. Literally, we're not throwing him anything but curveballs." And we struck him out all three times. Like the sec the second time, I bounced two in a row. He swung at the first two, and then I was like. I'm going to go completely in reverse. Instead of bouncing again, I'm just going to land it for a strike. So I just changed the wrist angle a little bit. <laughs> and he would, all right, well, that's Dude, it. There's, so I was just shooting my bow, and there's a funny thing about, like, your wrist angle and your finger pressure. Like, they can do some funny things. Yeah. For sure. I don't even have a payload. Of, is there a bow here? It's okay. Well, yeah. Um, I'll go grab one. Hold on, I'm gonna go grab a ball. Yeah. Anyways, what I would like to tell you guys while we're adjourned from John's presence, um, he talks about like spinning the ball a lot, right? Like just getting a feel for pitches. I think you should do the same thing with just throwing a ball up and going playing fungo golf with your buddies and just learning like how am I gonna hit this ball over the fence, around the net? Here we go. Here we go. I was just talking about how you told me to spin the ball more, right? And, like, to get the feel for your pitches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go for it. Show us your finger pressure. All right, so, so fastball, I've been, I've been really kicking around with finger pressure on fastball stuff. Um, and then, like, we're seeing a big significance with, like, stiff wrist idea. So, like, you have to have some thumb pressure here. You have to have some – so – the thumb pressure should actually be a little bit greater than the finger pressure of what you're pushing down. But if you watch my fingers, there's a thing called the hook, right? And so this hook keeps the ball, the fingers on the seams better, okay? Now, as far as what physics go, the more surface area that is on the ball, the faster, the more it spins, okay? So that's why you see sometimes in big leaguers where guys are like that on the fastball. So you get all this contact surface area on that right there. Now, the hard part about when you do that and the stiff wrist is to keep the balance of the ball in the fingers and make it roll off perfectly, right? Because 
the thumb may not be as easy to let go as maybe the knuckle of the thumb. Does that make sense? Interesting. And so like Scherzer even pulls it even further and gets the thumb completely out of the way on his fastball. And you can see it's just kind of hard to hold that, right? But it does create this like stiff-wristed, like I can launch this thing, right? But you got to make sure that you're holding it correctly, right? So on the curveball, it would actually be farther. So on the curveball, I try to make sure my thumb is as deep as I can on this thing, trying to connect my thumb and my birdie finger because that sets the axis uh, of the center of the ball. Okay. Uh, now, this is where this is where the hard part about the word grip is, I think, misunderstood. It has nothing to do with the grip. It has everything to do with the spin axis of what you're trying to put out. So when I'm throwing my curveball, and you can see this beautiful four-seam line right here in this, I'm trying to spin it with both fingers from the center of the ball to go as fast as we can. Do you keep your sense? fingers that wide on sometimes, that pitch? Sometimes, sometimes I'll push it up here. Sometimes I'll come right there. But that just feels good. Does that make sense? But I have more of like an 8 out of 10 on these two and then an 8 out of 10 of that. And so I'm really trying to snack it on what it is so i remember you told me a while back like there was a difference on like a two seam between the distance of your fingers yeah so there's there's that two seam there's that two seam there's that two seam there's that two seam but what do those all what do those variables do so what, what you're looking at is when you create spin axis okay if you pull from the top side of the ball the ball spins downwards okay so if you were to put your fingers together, you pull from the middle of the ball, and that would create more flight and flatter run, no doubt. Got okay. It. When you drop the birdie or the birdie finger off the side of that, there's less pressure in the middle and more pressure on the top, so it would go down harder. Huh. Interesting. See, that's some free game, guys. Like you, like. And then oh. you could do the same thing on a forcing. You could actually make a four-seam run by wrist dropping and then doing the same thing, pulling on the top of the ball the four-seam. That. that would make it go down. Pulling it from the middle of the four-seam would make it ride. And then if you go on the outside, it would cut and spiral and stay flat. So don't do that. <laughs> Dude, that I actually have been doing a lot, like letting that ride a lot. Huh, interesting. Super interesting. Because that's that. That's that layer of creativity, like just in those two pitches. It's like you just made one pitch into three, and you didn't even change your arm slot. You changed right. your finger press, and you just had three different pitches or variables of one. Right. And, I mean, that's what I saw with Maddox. Like, I never – I never, I really wish there was a camera and you could see what his hand was doing in his glove and, you know, slow motion, see release points and watch spin access, what he was doing, but we didn't have the frame rates to do that yet. But, you know, that dude was – constantly messing with finger pressure to get things to do stuff you know what i mean probably the only way to really make the ball move as much as he did for right? sure because then in essence based on the finger pressure like you're kind of turning it into a blitz ball like you're making sides right because you're putting pressure on these certain sides of this ball so you're making like the because i know the blitz ball's got like those little tiny hexagons around the whole thing right and that's like where you can probably put your pressure and stuff like that to make that thing move because there's all these places to grip, like you were talking about, like you can make those. Like I had never thought about that, like trying to connect these because for the longest time, I was just focused on my middle finger 
being more of a hook than just trying to actually connect these two. So that's yeah. huge, even just for me and my BP curveball. Oh, dude. And like in BP curveballs, if you go high school curveball and split the seam and then go index pressure here, that's an EFIS. An EFIS is uh, index finger pressure, not birdie pressure. Because then uh, like it pops out more. So you can like it. throw a super slow curve and have the same ripping arm action, but just the friction of the ball is different. So it would, yeah. And then it just doesn't make it. I got that the from Granky. Granky, yeah. Granky. I got that. That's my guy. Granky is like the same age as me. So it's always just like, well, you know, you still throw 97. So, yeah. It's in, <laughs> but the, his one advantage is that when all you have to do is throw 97, you can do it. For sure. Not when you have to run a business. You know what I yeah, mean? For, That's exactly. If you, if you simultaneously were like 97, as well as doing everything that you're doing right now, you'd be like the David Goggins of baseball. You'd be <laughs> like, you would sleep like two hours a day. You'd That's what like, I do. I do do that. He knows that. Right. You know that, don't you? I yeah. woke up today. I did a hundred pull downs with a 12 ounce baseball. <laughs> I know. Actually, I was thinking about uh, when we, now that we've opened that new spot, I got to go throw in there. Like I haven't thrown yet. So I got to go, I got to go do some stuff. Dude. You know I, mean? uh, I know that you may have had these, like there's certain fields where like you play catch and like the surrounding areas makes like a weird echo noise when you catch it. Oh yeah. The, 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 echo of a metal bat honestly the more and more that i teach at a facility i really want there to be like soundproofing borders on the wall <laughs> to absorb yeah. like that louisville atlas oh, yeah. that orange yeah. atlas right. oh my god that thing you know, is so loud by the way by the way that that is a thing um so we put plywood on the walls and it direct like our our gym is not nearly as loud as other like you know industrial housing that's aluminum yeah you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, it definitely. Like but I can't hear you now. Yeah, I would. I, would, I mean, the Cat Ten is really bad outside, right? I would say, yeah. but like in our place, I definitely don't think it's as bad. So that's definitely a thing. I would say the loudest bat that I have heard is that one, and then um, oh, speaking of of actual bats, right now, have you heard of the? Uh, it's actually, I think the 34-inch got banned from high school. It's called, like, the Stinger Missile. Oh, yeah. You ever heard of this bat? Yeah, Dude. and all, there was a Warstick bat that got banned, too. Warstick has some sweet bats. They've got, like, a tapered knob that's, like, perfectly built for on metal bats. Like, wonderful. <laughs> it feels like, like, because uh, Axe made that new, they've got an Axe handle, then they've got, like, an intro Axe handle, which is, like, not as flared as the normal Axe. But whoever made this taper at war stick on a metal bat, very good job. Very, very good job. Very good job. Very good job. I'm, I literally might buy a war stick metal bat just to have it, just because those things are just nice. I feel you. Um, I have one more question before we adjourn here. Um, we're approaching college playoff baseball. Where it is upon us, right? What are your thoughts right now on, um, like, I, I sent you that thing that I, did I send you that? That Dallas Fort Worth, like, prep thing? Did I send you that? Mm, no, I don't it's think so. basically like a Mexican baseball academy, but strictly for 
just out of high school seniors and like um like freshmen and juco or oh, stuff like that or like no, gap no. Uh, i have seen it's the gap year university yes 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 i have seen that. so yeah brilliant with all this stuff brilliant. that's happening right i gotta ask you how, how important do you think it is for guys to take that chance on themselves versus staying out of school and hoping that things work out because here's here's why i bring that up there's so many opportunities for like those guys that don't know what they're doing now like 10 years ago i was let's see it's 20 23 so 10 years ago i would be a college sophomore and i wasn't playing baseball at the time i had quit i wasn't doing anything i was basically in a gap year i was trying to figure it out right what are your thoughts on guys that are like that like the transfer portal guys the juco guys like stuff like that like should they commit to a school for a year or do you think that they should take that gap year chance like guys that are trying to figure it out that's a good one i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna go hard at it i'm not gonna be nice about it so i think that there is a weird power trip and a power struggle with the colleges the ncaa and how that they treat the players and how they go at them. And when you open up a portal where people don't have to be punished for leaving, because like there's a fallacy that, that, that it is a family. And then when you sign with a D one school, you'll be there for four years. It used to be, they would take care of it and do the Cal Ripken and everybody would do that. And if you committed your freshman year, you know, you would get your opportunity for four years, right? But now due to everything that's going on and transferring and how people are going and willing to sit out and do everything, then you have to do what's best for yourself. And so it's a year-to-year -year basis. And it's so short-sighted to not treat it that way because as soon as you become a professional, that is exactly how it is. You know, I signed one-month contracts. It's the long longest one I got. The shortest one I got was two-week contract. Right. So we're not even, you know, you want to get someone to commit for a year with their life and their money and their time. Right. And, and they tried to make it four years. But if you go there and you don't play and you were told you were getting an opportunity to play, then you have to leave. And, and, that, and that's what, you know, you, you get there and the coach says he's going to you use all the buzzwords. We have all the tools for development and everything that's going to help you become the best baseball player possible. But yet. When it came down to it, you threw bullpens and live at bats. You didn't even get an opportunity in a real game. And you're watching guys who did the thing in front of you who already paid their dues one, maybe two years of just, like, not playing and watching. And so even with myself, I made a decision um, that I wanted to play. I think that was one of the good, the best things that I got from a junior college coach who's still a good friend of mine who was one of my coaches that taught me so much, which was you could go to Florida State and walk on and roll the dice, right? get the education but the first two years are the exactly the same content of what you would have in juco but with smaller classes and it's probably easier so by going juco you actually give yourself the best chance to because they also do more than d1 they play a full fall schedule the scouts are there they're looking for stuff these guys are actively trying to help people get out because it helps them right so you know I think it's as easy if, if you're the top three starters or you're the closer and you're the reliever, then you stay where you're at. But if you're not and you're fighting for a chance, you're fighting for one opportunity to get on the field, then, like, you should probably go somewhere else and figure out 
where they're going to like give you the real chance. Because I mean, you could go out and ball out, but also you could do what I did in indie ball and ball out all spring training and still get released. Oh man! You know, like just like well, I literally could not have performed any better statistically in the game. I did everything I could do. You just don't know me. So then it's a completely non-performance based decision. So, you know, they're all salesmen. They always have been. They always will be. Right. And, and you're, there's not a lot of people that can speak on their experience and are willing to, because, you know, you don't want to burn bridges. Yeah. yeah. My, yeah. my bridge is burned. So, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll throw the whole thing under the bus. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, oh, yeah, I, hurt, a, you know. I actually have a good relationship with one coach, and he was the coach that I got to after all the bullshit. Right. And we butted heads a lot, but like, we were very respectful about, like, he's, He's disagreeing with me. I disagree with him, but that's about like where we we stopped here, right? Where with the the other coaches, it was like it's my way or the highway. Where he was just like, "All right, bro, like I get, it. I'm not going to change your mind." And um, I think that's and again we butted heads because I was like, "I want to win more." <laughs> like it was in that idea, and he was like, "He we were in a spot where we weren't winning at the time," and he was like, "Well." I'm trying to get some guys at some opportunities that, you know, are going to be here in the future. And, you know, at the time I was being selfish and I'm like, fuck that. Like, like I want to win. Right. But also like, like what you said, like if you are trying to think about it as an investment and you're a business guy, right. It's like, these are investments. I gave that guy a scholarship. He's 18. Like I got to play that guy. You know what I mean? Like he's the guy that I think is going to help us win the next couple of years. And if you're a freshman, that's not that. And you're even if you're out of D two, D three, transfer, dude. Like, I I played at um, D two schools that, that were like, I don't want to use the term commuter schools, but they kind of were like D two commuter schools. Like the one that I went to in New Mexico, a lot of the kids were like, yeah, I live like forty five minutes away. I just drive in for class, then I drive back out. Right, like tons of people like that there were only like four thousand kids at the school same thing with the the school in west virginia with so many guys live an hour away but that means that the conferences are really close that means that the other school is two hours away and the other one's two and then the other one's two right so it's like the opportunities are out there and i don't know who it was but i saw a guy and this just like it reminded me of just like again you played division one juco and then you went to go play professional baseball right i played sure. juco division two baseball this guy was like junior college and then he went to like a d2 military school gets drafted in the 16th round and then he ends up being on the big league roster like two years later and he's still there right I forgot who it was but could there be a guy that just bet on themselves and just made so many right decisions? Like, I don't know what the 16th round signing bonus is. It's less than 20 grand for sure. Right. Then you're at a military school D two. So you have to stand out so high and above everybody else, but also that means you're playing all the time. You're playing all the time and you get drafted. So it's, you know, a guy maybe had a couple of small D one offers, but he was like, those guys aren't going to get me better. He found the right school that he thought was going to make him better. He bet on himself. I was in the big leagues, man. Yeah. You don't have to go to the uh, 
to the Oklahoma States and the Oregon States and the Florida States and the Clemsons. You don't have to do that. You got to go where you're going to play and where you're going to develop. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like, you have to play, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, that's – shout out to my guy, Berto, going back on the grind after an injury. You know, he's in the Indie Bowl preseason runs with some some guys and with the Black Sox, and they, they have a um, – there is a league that is over on the East Coast that plays in the mornings of one of the indie fields uh, on an all-turf field, and it's just like guys staying ready. And so it's like a little player pool for some of these leagues that are over in that area. And it's such a smart move. Uh, but he has to be there. You know, you got to be over there playing. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? I was, um, I was listening to uh, Joey Diaz talk about if you guys don't know who joey diaz is he's like this hilarious comedian momo Momo. anyways he uh he he had a tough life like at 17 he was homeless right and there was this instance where he was talking about dude i was sleeping in a rocket ship in a playground (laughs) and he was like i was trying to just make it after getting out of jail and stuff like that he's a very famous comedian now and again, baseball is not like that, but there's so many of these like guys that like, yeah, I can go to play any ball and I want to go play minor league baseball. And they don't realize like you are kind of on a cup of noodles kind of like diet. Like you're not, you're not eating the best of food. You're not sleeping in the best of apartments. You know, you're not living in the best of places because you're not making great money. Right. And that's why it's really important to like make good decisions because you don't want to end up in a bad spot, which is why it's like, I'm a big fan of like, take that scholarship sometimes, right? Like you can save up money, right? It's just an idea of like, you're wanted somewhere if that's a part of the dream. And that's just my two cents on it. But like hearing some, like the minor league guys, what did, what did their, uh, their new collective bargaining go to like 32,000 a year, mm-hmm. something like that. Right. It's like if you want to have a family and kids and you're not making it after like two years in the minors, like, dude, you got to you got to make good decisions on your way to those points. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They they were making like twenty five and like twenty four before that, which is like two grand a month. That's nothing. That's nothing. Yeah. It's like you got to think about that's a part of the dream. And it also helps. To know that you can go play in Korea and make a couple million as well. League minimum in Korea is eighty five k, and that's pretty and sweet. and in, in, in um I do believe you get full contracts for the year because I had a buddy of mine go over there. So even if you get picked up and you only play a month and they release you and send you home, you still get your full salary. That's why dudes go, but they only allow like four imports per that's, team. I think that's that what they mean. Yeah, yeah, in Mexico, but then you still got. In Mexico, it's a sixth, and then in Japan, I don't think there's a limit. But they they obviously they like there's like unwritten rules. You yeah. can see it all the time. You know, like Adam Jones went over here and hit like 41 home runs or something like yeah, that. Yeah, dude, like, how awesome is that? Yeah, like and like doubled his major league salary, which is like there's an example of a loyalist, yeah. right? The Cal Ripken guy, right? He's got two years left in his career, and he goes to Japan and doubles his money for his family. Like that's messed up. But that's where he you played know, for the Orioles. He's playing for an organization. It's not for the win. That's where he's been. It's not for his family. He just made generational wealth. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to go hit 41 bing bongs, and then I'm going to make 
maybe like 80 million. Yeah, I'll make like 80 million. Yeah, we right? got to get a hold of that guy. That guy's a San Diego dude. You uh, know what I mean? Um, anything else you want to say before we end it? No, why don't you sign us off? All right. Thank you guys uh, for tuning in. Again, like and subscribe. Let's win a ball game. This is John's Instagram. So follow John, follow myself, follow our podcast page. It is let's underscore win a ball game. And one of my favorite things to do in my past in free time, just watch John's live at bats. I'm really into the live at bats right now. So really get into those. Um, he's got tons of discounts, tons of deals. Click on his links. I got a few. Go into my Instagram, check them out. Hope you guys have a great weekend. John, awesome job today. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. You're, you're the best. It's, it's really good. Like and subscribe. Check out both of our online programs. A lot of cool stuff coming down the pipe. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your Friday. Yep. See ya.